0: Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast. Your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett. Welcome back, mountain bikers. Welcome back to the MTB Tribe Podcast. I am here to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to get you out in the trails, get your butt off that sofa and on the saddle. Keep you stoked and hopefully learn a little more about mountain biking and the people involved. So thanks for being here. If you're a first time listener, welcome to the show. I hope you enjoy this episode. And if you're a long time listener, thank you so much for your support. I really do appreciate it. You guys are awesome. Now, if you listen to the show via iTunes, please go there, share with friends, leave a review, and give me a five-star rating, please. Thank you so much. That would be so awesome, guys. Um, It just helps the show be seen, gets more people to listen to the show, to download the show, and hopefully get involved. That would be awesome. And if you listen via Stitcher or Spotify, thanks so much, Now you can also just go to the website mtb-tribe.com, you can listen to the show there, you can download the show from there or just stream it live from there, whatever you wish. You can also get access to all the bike issues there and all the previous episodes very easy to find. They're all there on the site for you to go through and have a listen. There's also a resources page there um, just a few items that I use and I feel that you know you should have a look at if if you're interested in mountain biking. You can also subscribe to the show there and get an email every week just letting you know who's coming on the show and a rough synopsis of what we'll be chatting about on that episode. So thanks so much folks for getting involved. I do appreciate it as always. You can also do that via social media. We are on Instagram and Facebook at MTB Tribe. So, thanks, folks. Now, on to today's guest, and it's episode number 62. And we are chatting to Chris O'Callaghan, the service provider to the Ballyhur Mountain Bike Trails and founder of TrailRiders.ie. And it was great to get chatting with Chris about why we should all check out the Ballyhurra mountain bike trail network and don't leave it off our to-do list for 2019. Obviously, that is if you live in Ireland or the UK and you want to come across. To use guys listening from Canada and Australia and Brazil and stuff, it's maybe not just as accessible. (laughs) But put it on your bucket list anyway. Um, So, like... After all, Ballyhurra has it's 98 kilometres of trails and is the biggest trail network in Ireland. So we chat to Chris about how the trails came to be, how they were designed, how popular the, the trails have become, what facilities are on offer, what to expect from the trail networks, plus much, much more, all that kind of stuff. So it was great for Chris to come on the show and chat to us about his awesome sounding trail network. Now, I have to admit It is a network I have never visited. And to be totally honest, I never really thought of going there. You know, it has awesome facilities. It's bike hire. It's a bike shop for repairs and general components. And on top of all that, is a number of different level loops totaling 98 kilometers as I said before of trail so it is something for everybody so I really don't know why I haven't went there um, you know slapping the back of the hand for me that's not no good so I reached out to Chris to get more info on the Ballyhura for both myself and you guys as I feel as a destination we should all visit on our next mountain bike trip so keep it in mind guys so Let's get Chris on the show, let's find out a wee bit more about Ballyhurra mountain bike trails and welcome Chris to the MTB Tribe podcast. Hi Chris, good day sir, welcome to the MTB Tribe podcast, how's things with you today in Limerick of all places?
1: Yeah, very very good Gareth, thanks very much for the opportunity to um, I suppose try and sell um, and make people aware of what's down in the southwest um, of Ireland. limerick i suppose will be from a rugby fan point of view they would be well aware of where it is geographically but i suppose from an outdoor background we're probably um getting lost between cork and kerry from the water <laughs> sports and the mountain base so i suppose we're, we're within an hour um of the the kerry and cork mountains as we call it
0: yeah it's cool and you know i must admit uh, and i'm sorry to say that i've never been down your direction on the bike as yet um <laughs> but um Ballyhurra mountain bike trails is what it's known as. And um, we'll get into it a wee bit later, but you have got like 98 kilometers of trails or something down there.
1: There is, yeah. It's it's a huge network. Um, And I suppose uh, in one way, it's like every one of us, That no matter what level you get to with mountain biking, we all have to start on the flat. Um, And even though people often refer to the trail center down here as being um, cross-country orientated, Yes, it is, but it's very much um, cross-country orientated in the sense that you've got plenty of downs that are gradual, that suit all abilities. But equally, what we seem to be listening to the more experienced riders that do happen to use it is the love, the whole idea of the fact that, yes, you you can really go at super speeds um, because of the curvature that's on the trails and even though it's contouring, and you're never really pedaling up for any particular length of time before you get your rewards from a couple of minutes hitting down. So it seems to be a very popular trail center for people starting off, and then for the ones that are looking for that bit of um, of a high-speed type of trail center, it definitely um, ticks those boxes.
0: Yeah, and uh, it definitely does look impressive. I've watched a few of the videos and stuff um, from these guys, and, yeah, you know, I don't know how you could not, you know like or enjoy them kind of trails it looks pretty amazing to me um but so good matt we'll get into that a wee bit later but i'm actually interested in how it all started so can you tell us how you started and when you started and, and how it all came about
1: um well i suppose the, the, the big credit has to go to um, Betty Howard development which were a local tourism group um and Carol fox who was the ceo at the time um, was trying to. Which in fairness, she'd spent about 20 years building up the, the locality. I just, I suppose, like back in Beacons, or you know, areas that had um, were out of the mainstream. But at the same time, she believed that the area itself had a lot to offer. So she sort of met a bit of a mission, really, to, to try and get the area um, established. And then, between leader funding, and then saw the opportunity with trail centres and mountain biking because of the terrain being very, very similar to Wales and the UK. So she obviously sourced money somewhere or another through lead of funding, and then David Davis, um, who was, we all know as being the, the main man for mountain biking in general in the British Isles, um, he came over, um, marked out the, the trails, they spent a couple of years raising the money, and with the JP McManus fund then, which as we know from um, the horsey background, he, he literally um, gave a substantial amount of money towards that then that was able to be match funded. Um, so that's where the, the, the large pot of money came to them to start the trails from that point of view mm-hmm. yeah. so it's here it's here 11 years but it took them about three and a half years to actually build the trails, it was such a big network um, oh. and they still have more plans um, they have about seven we have seven loops at the moment but there is a mix where you can you can get a mix of different types of trails um, which they're of remarking from that point of view
0: yeah so as far as it goes is it? would you say it's privately owned Chris or is it
1: No, it's built on Quilce land, so Quilce themselves um, own it and maintain it um, from that point of view. Um, So I suppose, yes, you could turn around and say that if Quilce decided in the morning that, okay, look, for whatever reason, that trail centres aren't um, practical anymore. I don't know if there's much that can be done about it, but at the same time, that's never going to happen because of the people that are in the recreational aspect of Quilce themselves are very proactive um, in relation to mountain biking, hence why they're looking to build more trails and more trail centres. So it is privately owned, but through like the UK, through the Forestry Commission um, itself. So any of the money that goes, that is raised through car parking or shower facilities really goes back into the trail system.
0: Okay, yeah, and that's all generated from the facilities that are- On site, yeah. On site, okay, cool, cool. All right, so you've been going 11 years there. and have you been running it kind of from your end that that entire time
1: yeah um what happened was that as we were mentioned earlier before we started to record we were just kind of going through our backgrounds um and from the climbing background and the weather changing going back there about 12 or 13 years ago we were starting to get into biking ourselves as a kind of a, a bit of a crossfit type of training um and then when the trail center started to be built here then we said oh look but me living right beside the trail center it was a missed opportunity if we didn't try and copy what we were using ourselves abroad whether it be in scotland or in the continent so we we kind of come up with the idea of right let's copy what's in the uk so we went to who i would recommend as being probably the number one in the uk which was Cyclewise um, training over in the uk in keswick in Letter forest Um, They came over here with Ballyhara, we set up the trail centre, basically trying to copy exactly what's done in the UK um, from a professional point of view, um, between TCLs, um, NBL qualified, um, then through SciTech mechanics, um, so that at least if you were a UK resident coming over to Ireland, you should be getting the exact same facility and standard, or if you're somebody from Ireland and you're not aware of what standard you're getting, you should still be getting the top standard as far as we're concerned. So it's 11 years ago, um, and we're quite happy with the way things have gone. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a fast 10 or 12, 11 years, as we'd say, from the point of view of trying to grow the sport as well, because, you know, it was probably underground of as far as oh, 12 years ago anyway. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and we have certainly seen a big change up north as far as council-owned trail centres go, Um but it's amazing because it opens up your mind to elsewhere. Where can I go next? You know. So you obviously then look to the south and um, you obviously have great trail centres down there too. Um, so how quickly have you seen the trail centre get popular or your business side of things grow? Has that really expanded over the last
1: 11 years? It's uh, We were very surprised in the sense that Within a month of word getting out, there it was like a fungus. Nearly. it just it seems to spread at an alarming rate, um, to where we were swamped um, for the first couple of years because we just didn't we didn't want to take on too big a, a risk with investing in bikes. Um, so we kind of only had a fleet of about 20 bikes, but they were booked out every Saturday, Sunday, and then within two years, really, we had we said, look, we we'll just bite the bullet and go as far as um, the 50 bikes um, on site. So it has grown. Um, and even though from a rental point of view it stays the same uh, i think it's just that natural turnover i think the fact is where we have Cork and and Limerick as we said has been the main populated areas but they're still not massive versus what you'd have in Dublin or like so Wrexham maybe or Manchester or Liverpool in the UK so you're always going to struggle to get maximum numbers that you'd like but i do think that we're consistent now and we can nearly say that every year you're going to have a certain amount of rentals and that's just the nature of the beast, I guess, With um, people, some people take into it, some people not, and then you get that general turnover. Um, so it, it is, it, if you were to really break it down, you'd have to say it is playing its role um, as an activity for people to participate in of all levels, whether you're experienced or whether you're somebody who's just looking to pass away Sunday afternoon.
0: Mm, yeah, well, that's the best way, because we need everybody to enjoy these facilities.
1: Exactly. There's a more, take the business out of it and take out the financial side of it. Um, I think unfortunately that's the way the world has gone but I think there's a moral obligation for people that, like yourself and myself that are fortunate enough to have had a good life with outdoor education that um, we have to be able to provide activities for families to do um, things together on a Sunday and that's where even the explosion which I'm sure you'll probably touch on later on with e-bikes makes it a lot more um, applicable. Because now you can have um, very, very fit people going out with people that haven't biked in 20 years or never biked at all. And you can actually build away with the e-bikes and keep the, the, the pace matched.
0: Yeah, no, it's a very interesting subject, the old e-bike thing. And um, they're here to stay, I think, that's for sure. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so when you moved into doing, uh, setting up your facility there to facilitate the trails, was it a scary move? Um, was it something you were planning to do full-time, part-time? How did that work out? Uh, no,
1: it wasn't a scary move, really, I suppose, because I've been involved in the outdoors since, I suppose, here, since a kid, really, um, and it's just you got further into it. So it's like a lot of things. When you're confident that what you do, it's just a natural progression um, and, I suppose, add a little bit of a personal growth and development into it. And, if anything, we'd probably have gone bigger if we were in a position where we could um, or we were able to get access to um, uh, a, a better stronghold on the car park itself you know um so no it, it wasn't it wasn't um any way risky um it wasn't it was just a matter of fact really um so we, we were very we were very confident in the way we were going simply because of our experience really yeah so, uh, yeah sorry go ahead no and, and that's and that's where it's it's probably come across as well with the general public to pop down here you know it's, it's just a case of let's just um, get things done together in the woods Um it, def- it definitely seems to be where a lot of things are happening nowadays in the forestry and in the mountains
0: yeah i think so and you know i done a wee poll with my subscribers um about six months ago four four or five months ago and um i just asked them why do you mountain bike what do you like most about mountain biking and the number one the number one answer i got back was to be in nature yeah and it was like 80 percent of the people said that you know and i thought it would be more adrenaline driven you know you know what i mean more macho yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't it was to be in nature you know uh, and to be with friends in in a in an athletic environment was kind of number two there but it was surprising to me to get that reaction
1: yeah again i think for every one of us are realizing that the the pace that the we're going at from a work schedule point of view um the the busyness of again social media and i suppose media itself in general um you know tv there's there's so much kind of going on that we we'll are probably losing touch a little bit what probably matters most um i'm sure if you ask most adults in their 30s or 40s when we're the most content they'll probably go back to Um, either as a kid where they were in the woods or playing on a pitch, playing sports or whatever. So there has to be a sense of balance in that sense. And I think where if we go into the woods, you know, whether it be for a walk with your kids or whether it be for a walk and you build a little dam in a stream or whether you go with your buddies and you're riding and you're having a chat, um, it it definitely seems to be grounding people a lot more. Um, Now, of course, we could get into a different topic here where we start going into how the Chinese look at um, what makes us more content, and a lot of it is down to the fact, is with the element of the earth. Um, so you'd wonder, is there a natural draw there to the woods and to the mountains that people know that's good for them, but they don't really know why?
0: Yeah, well, it's all good. It's it's good that- to get out there and get the fresh air in the lungs, you know.
1: Yeah, without a doubt.
0: Cool. Now, let's talk a wee bit more about the trails. So you mentioned earlier there who come in to design them and stuff. Were the trails ridden by any local riders before it kind of became a center?
1: No, it was completely from scratch. Um, There would have been a couple of us that would have been um, just using fire roads, Um, I suppose, uh, hill walkers that were looking at as a way of kind of keeping fit, or climbers that were looking for a way of keeping fit, but it was only fire roads. That there wasn't even natural paths here that you'd, you'd cycle on that walkers would have established, you know, like what you'd see in some places. Mm-hmm. So, it was completely, that's why it took him three and a half years. Um, basically, David and Ferris and his team beat their way through rhododendrons, um, and how he managed to get through the, the distance he did um, is beyond me. Get it built in that length. So, it was completely from scratch. But I would have to say, um, as a result of building the trail center, it has allowed a massive network of trails and that are used we'll say for race only weekends or um if my davis is down say running the gravity and jewels or even the blue grass over so we do have a huge selection of stuff that's there um, that's um that's off the trail center stuff that, that again is only used for um, race weekends or whatever
0: mm-hmm. and and did the did the trail center open Chris, with what it has now or has it been expanded a good bit since yeah.
1: It expanded about four years ago when the European um, Marathon Cross Country Championships came into um, the Ballet hours. Um they, they built two extra technical loops that are used as a separate loop now again, which is roughly, it's included in a 25k loop. But they, that, that was paid for them with the, the windmills that were built with the ESB and creature because it shut down one part of the trail for three years. Um, and as a result of that then, they paid for a new trail to be built. So that again was a, a, again, a benefit, I suppose, to where windmills themselves, even though are being built in most forests, at least uh, you can capitalise on that and get, um, squeeze a bit of money out of them to build mm-hmm. trades for you, you, know.
0: Yeah, cool. So in total, have you got a, it's 988 kilometres, is that right?
1: That's, it is, um, and you could mix. You know, if you were really getting nitty-gritty and you were to break it down, you could probably say there's more, but I suppose the best thing to do is that the biggest loop that's there that's a separate loop on its own is 52 K and then you have a 44 K loop and then you have a 32 K loop. So you can see that if you wanted to you, you could be riding on a lot of trails. Hence why the European marathon championships, this was probably the only venue that suited because they needed to get 95 K um, of a, a race circuit. And, and that 95 K they didn't touch the trails, the same trail twice. Wow. Yeah. That's it's huge, huge, huge. Yeah. So from a mileage point of view, It's great because um, even if you're a road biker and you want to get off the road, a lot of people come up here to get the mileage in on a mountain bike over the winter without um, even touching technical trails themselves because the forest network is absolutely huge. Getting lost is probably our biggest problem up here because, again, the network is so big. (laughs) You get plenty of
0: people calling the show up or something saying they're lost.
1: Well, uh, I could write a book at this stage, so that's the next plan is to make my next fortune on that one. I (laughs) I wish, I wish.
0: (laughs) So uh, just breaking off the subject a wee bit, you had an interesting weekend there. Can you tell (laughs) us a wee bit about that?
1: As in the weekend just gone? Yeah,
0: yeah. um,
1: Well, I suppose we... Again, the benefits, I suppose, to a trail centre is that you're always going to get people that get into the sport and, more importantly, kids... Um, And we were very fortunate in the sense that we have a couple of young lads that literally just spend all their spare time biking up here. And I guess uh, my own young lad, Ushin, who's fortunate enough, I suppose, with me and having the time and then having um, knowing what's going on in the scene. So he does a lot of racing. So uh, last Thursday, we we won um, a competition with Danny Hart and Matt Walker and Alex Marin with the Madison Saracen team over in Revolution Bike Park. So we were there on Thursday. And then we were up to the Lake District then to meet Cyclewise um, and Johnny Thompson, Fit for Racing, um, on the Friday. And for a lot of people that wouldn't be aware of um, Johnny Thompson, he does a lot of uh, mountain bike and motorbike-specific type training. Um, so I believe that, uh, from my experience, he's probably one of the best around. So back down to Revolution on Saturday um, for Dave Uplifts. And then uh, Dave Uplifts then at Clangollen, um downhill track with uh, Conn Bate and Ocala and and, um, while you're there of course you're always going to meet um, some of the fast lads like Luke Williamson and a few others like that you know so we got back last night then. Well, this morning at three o'clock so flat out yeah (laughs) but as I mentioned earlier it's good to be able
0: yeah exactly and uh, did you find that interesting was it a good
1: weekend for you it is um, a lot of these places we would have been to over the years anyway um, so it's, it's always good to go back and then you see how uh, you might have been there for two years, for instance, and uh, the changes. So everything is continuous. The sports, definitely, if you see it in the UK, is really exploding to the extent that they can't even keep up with demand. Um, and more importantly is that we have this thing when you see uplifts, people think of, oh, you have experienced downhiller. 80% to 85% of the population that do uplifts are just regular riders that work Monday to Friday and they just want a bit of fun and um, come down the trail with their buddies and yes most people have good self-preservation so there's never any issues in that sense but it, it is always good to go into the UK because you, you obviously meet the lads and you find out what way the sport is going and, and unfortunately I suppose or fortunately um, Ireland will always be I suppose copying what goes on in the UK simply because it affected the numbers again mm-hmm. yeah so um, yeah
0: yeah, very interesting. And does it give you any ideas for your own stuff there in Ballyhura? Does it give you any kind of stuff to push forward for? Or? Uh, it,
1: it would do. Um, I suppose the, the, you're always going to tap into a different market if you've got an uplift um, facility going. But I think a lot of that too has to do with the type of trail trail system you have and the type of terrain you have. So whether an uplift will ever work in Ballyhorra, I don't think so. Um, but... At the same time, I do believe that we, we have to start, you have to have some trail centres um, that would encourage somebody from a complete beginner um, and go right up to whatever level they want to go at. And again, like I said, with a couple of young people that are here that are racing away, it shows that you can, you don't have to have the narrowest of trails um, mm-hmm. to start off with. So, yeah. yeah, and look again, like I said, from a moral point of view, um, I'm happier seeing people get into biking and then they can bring it to whatever level they want after that.
0: Yeah, that's it. And if they want something bigger and or they can travel. And, you know, beggars well travel. That's just the way out.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's not, but I think we, we probably are all nomads in one way and we all like traveling anyway. So even if you had the purple trail center here with uplifts, and you had know, this, that and the other, people are always going to wonder what's up the road and are going to travel you know, different golfers using golf courses and surfers using different areas with waves. Um, I think the big thing is just to get people into it and if, every, if everyone facilitates what... Um, what people require, but then you, you, especially if you look at it from an Ireland point of view, again you've obviously the trail centres of Dublin, Wicklow, trail centres of North. You've obviously Bike Park Ireland in the middle of the country, so it just means that people can move from one trail centre to the other and do a four-day trip um, and experience different types of um, terrain. Same, same as what we did last week.
0: Yep, no, very true, very, very true. Now, so for somebody visiting uh, Ballyhoo there, what can they expect as far as facilities and stuff go, Chris?
1: Um, on site, we have um, a shop. We have a fleet of 50 bikes. Um, we, we try and have absolutely everything that most people would end up having an issue with, everything from a bar, from a remote, seat post that might break. Um all the way up as far as your nutrition bars, um, again, without getting into food. So if you are looking for sandwiches, there's plenty of places nearby that people can pop down the, after their spin. Um, but we have showers, toilet facilities. Um, you have your bike wash. You have a car park that takes maybe about 120 cars, which very seldom gets. There's an over, an overrun car park as well that you can, you can tap into if you had to, if you got very busy in a race weekend. Um, and the, the trails and the maps are all self-explanatory but we're always there anyway to help whether you're looking for different types of trails or a good mix or whether you just want to find out if it's your first visit what trade would be best for you at least you can always pop up to the unit up to declan me and myself or any other lads mm-hmm.
0: and the car park chris do you have to pay to use that
1: yeah it's um Euros to get into the car park, um, or you can use the Queence online system where you can get a card, a yearly card, for 35 euro per year. Um, and that allows you to use any little Quilchia forestry car parks that are there as well, even from a walk and a recreational point of view. Um, I know some people might turn around and say, Oh, is it a bit saucy? But I suppose considering with the, the safety of cars parking out on the road and sort of unofficial of car parks and amount of break-ins that would be um in various areas um, around the country. At least you get um, online security. We'd say that's that's recorded CCTV. Um, so if, I know it's, it can be if it's one off five euros, isn't too bad. Um, but I suppose if you're doing it every week, well then you could equally just justify getting more card for the year. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, but then again, if there's two or three guys in the car, it's exactly. you know yeah. it's nothing really.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's cheaper than I suppose, look, damaged cars or whatever the case may be.
0: Yeah, you know, and if the, if there is two or three in the car, it's cheaper than a coffee.
1: <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah. Nowadays, you um, don't get much for a fiver nowadays.
0: <laughs> Classic. Um, now, as far as your shop goes, Chris. So, is there maintenance facilities and stuff in there like that?
1: Yeah, we'd we'd always have a mechanic, a qualified site a mechanic on site. Um, obviously, the, the big issue there would be we'd never have anyone stuck. But obviously, if somebody just turns up with a major issue, and if we're putting out bikes, they can get. A little bit of a delay in the sense that if they don't mind waiting, that's fine. Um, but obviously, we couldn't prioritize um, any major work on a Saturday or Sunday. Mm-hmm. So, but but we always, okay, always try and picture if, people, if it was a better side of the counter, what we'd like to be done if we were in the UK. So we always try and keep that in mind. Um, but we'd have it's very seldom anyone doesn't get resolved um, because most things are quite small. If they arrive to the trail centre, anyway, but we, we bikes can be left in on a Saturday, Sunday, or whatever day, and they can be picked up a day or two later um, if they need to get fixed.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a that's a great facility they have at your local your local trail network. Like that's brilliant.
1: Yeah, um, I suppose it works when it's kind of works sense well when it's quite um, midweeks in the winter time. You know, because obviously a lot of people are working. At least the maintenance keeps us going um, to a certain extent.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely, and it's good. And is the trail centre open? all year round does your facilities open all year round
1: yeah we just uh, it, well it is in the sense that unless we get um, bombarded with snow you know your typical mm-hmm. what, nature um, deciding that okay we just lock up shop for a while um, so it would be we, we close on Mondays um, so it's Tuesday to Sunday um, but Bank Holiday Mondays then would be open um, and Christmas then the only days we would stay closed over Christmas would be Christmas Day and New Year's Day
0: yeah well very good very very good yeah um, and tell us a wee bit about your hire fleet then
1: yeah we very um uh we started off obviously with your your hardtails um and then uh, obviously as the industry grew a little bit people were looking to try out full suspension bikes and e-bikes so at the moment we have about 10 e-bikes um we have seven full suspension bikes and they vary between the brands of trek and cube simply because of the fact that between reliability and pricing we just find those two brands themselves really um, do, do give better value for book um, for the customers because there's no point in us trying to sell um, ten or twelve grand bikes for the few you'd sell. When the reality is, we find personally that there's a lot of nonsense in it. That a three thousand euro bike, once you look at the components, is as efficient as any other brand. Um, once you are getting into the same spec, um, so and then we'd have uh, the bones of fifty hardtails then, which would be your usual front suspension bikes. And the front suspension then vary from 35 euros, which um, again, we only keep on for a couple of months. We copied the UK system again, where we just rent them and we keep a logbook for about 40 rentals and then sell them off, obviously after being serviced um, in between and at the end of their life. And the full suspensions then are 60 euro and they would all vary, again, roughly retail of uh, your Trek Remedy 7, for instance, or your Hub Stereo 140. So they would we'll be sixty euros in rent, which again, is if you look at the prices in the UK, were probably cheaper than the UK for what you get. Mm-hmm. Um, and e-bikes then vary from fifty euros for a hardtail up as far as seventy euro for a full suspension e-bike. And again, the full suspension e-bike would be um, would be quite substantial in that sense. You wouldn't be getting a basic bike in that sense.
0: Mm-hmm, yeah. And how are you finding the rentals? What's your What's the most popular bike you would rent there?
1: Um, it definitely would be the hardtails. Um, again, because people just are cautious and spending excessively. Again, it's like ourselves going skiing. You know, we don't hire VIP skis if it's our first time. We're quite happy just to go on the intermediate. Um, so the hardtails are the ones that are the most popular. Um, again, we we get a good mix in the sense that we, we would use Trek Roscoe's as probably um, a fleet of bikes that people are looking for comfort and people that maybe are just looking for a nice experience um and you're looking at cruising around with the, the higher volume tires or you'd have your cube attention SLs which are a little bit steeper of a head angle and are more cross-country orientated which again we'd find your road bikers would be more inclined to use those because they're that's just the body position that would suit them so we, we kind of take into consideration of all the abilities that, that would come up um, from that point of view
0: yeah cool and let's get into the e-bike thing is that getting
1: more popular for you yeah, um, if you went back a year ago, a year and a half ago, they probably only went out once a month. Um, but now the e bikes have gone out nearly every Saturday, Sunday. Um, and again, I, look, you're never, with e bikes and the cost of them, you're never really going to make um, a whole pile on them. But I think, as we mentioned earlier, from a moral point of view, the, the feedback seems to be is that there's a lot of people that, one, would never have cycled a bike in 20, 30 years. And they love going out using e-bikes because, again, any time they hit a hill, the resistance isn't as high, so they can just spin away. But more importantly, what we found is that um, there's a lot of road bikers or even mountain bikers, but mainly road bikers, that would have done a lot of cycling in their 20s. Life took over, you know, got busy and prioritized other things. And a few would turn out that say they don't have the time or the commitment to get cycling fit again to where they used to be. And they just find that they're looking for a nice experience. You're out in the e-bikes. And what a lot of people don't realize is that it's not exactly as if it's cheating. Because what you notice is that with e-bikes, one is that they're better from a, from a cardio point of view. Because um, one is that you're burning more fat when you're on an e-bike than if you're on a normal push bike. So from a fat burning point of view, they're actually probably an easy way of, of really getting fit in that sense. And obviously shedding a few pounds if that's what your your game is. From that point of view
0: yeah the e-bike thing is great i know some people just aren't into him but i think the way it encourages people that wouldn't get into the sport to get into it is really really good
1: it, it is and again i suppose i go back to our own situation here at home um i suppose with rushing and with his level of fitness that's there was no way his man and himself would have been able to go mountain biking never mind on the road um and we say mary got an e-bike um going back there two years ago and in the winter um mary and Ushin head off and Ushin walks hard because he's to stay with mary on the e-bike and that's his way of getting his winter mileage in so they do stuff together that um at least from a son mum point of view that you're sharing that sunday together and i'm not there because i might be walking so it's more important that mary is participating in the same sport that Ushin has such an affection for
0: yeah, that's, that's so cool. So he has to keep up with
1: the, with the yeah, electric. Yeah, it's like the rabbit and the, the, the greyhound type of scenario. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's great training for both of them, really, you know? Well, it's, it's win-win. Um, and again, like we said, it's... it's uh, I think it's fantastic. Um, I wouldn't believe it until I've seen it and both of them enjoy it and more no importantly they're sharing something together as well on a Saturday and Sunday when unfortunately a lot of kids don't get that opportunity to share the same sport with their parents unless you go skiing or whatever the case may be you know but that's very rare. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah that's very, very true. Very true.
1: Um, so uh, the trails
0: are, are really well suited to all levels, Chris um, and you get do you see plenty of families coming
1: up and using the trail network? Yeah, Um we're lucky enough in the sense that we have three particular skills loops within the car park which is within within five minutes um, it's probably perfect for your seven, eight, nine year olds that, let's be honest, that age they're not into cycling up hills, they're not into big endurance things, they're quite happy you rattling around for ten minutes, taking a break, going again again your typical field sport type of circuit, um, so they suit um, that age group and because they're gravity fed you've got a bit of gradient of them um so again it's easier for the kids to, to get into the floor and get that skill set because as we all know there is a point for biking where you need to have an element of a certain amount of speed because if you get too slow obviously you become unstable and that's where confidence then can go out the window so the, the gradient that they have of the skill loops here are perfect for um people starting off you then have your 6k loop like we said and that goes all the way up to 17k and 23k um and you have technical loops then out the back um, on the purple circuit. So it does it does allow um, all abilities to, to mix and match um, whether you want to do the green loop twice and knowing you're not going too far from the car so you have that kind of a comfort um, mm. or you decide, here, I've done the green loop twice and I'm ready for the brown loop.
0: Yeah, cool. and. Th- uh, it looks really good on your website how it's all laid out in the loops and stuff um, It seems quite easy to understand, but how would you advise a first-time user approaching the trail network?
1: Uh, I, I suppose that's why with the videos we find that it gives people an idea of what's kind of in store and um, there's nothing worse than uh, people wondering what the are letting themselves in for, whereas at least with the videos it kind of gives them an idea Okay, do I think i would be able for it? Do I think I'm ready for the challenge? Um, so, but if they arrive down, what we normally do, again, is we, we picture, okay, if this person isn't very confident they haven't cycled a bike in 10 years, we would always say sort of do the green loop, um, just allowing themselves maybe to get warmed up and for them not to attack the hills too too fast, and then by finishing off on the skills loops near the car park, it means that at least they can just keep at on 10 minute sessions onto the end of their spin to where they've had enough, um, because as we all know, mountain biking is one of those things where you don't want to be going into the red too often um <laughs> you know especially if it's a case you don't want to bite off too big a loop and then you find out oh will come after running out of juice because a lot of us don't either carry um enough fuel with us and that's why we'd always be saying to people look just treat it like a hillock and um, you know bring a small rucksack bit of juice a few bars a sandwich or whatever it's better to be looking at it than looking for it
0: yeah no that that's cool definitely and um the signage and all, as far as the network goes, I'm sure is really good down there. I haven't seen it in person, but from the videos and from your website, I can see how it's laid out, and it looks very good. And um, yeah, I'm sure you do get people getting lost, but
1: um, in, in I'm various, sure they're
0: quite easily found.
1: Yeah, it's uh, the, the, the the trail centre is marked with every time you go into a single track, and every time you come out, it's the exact same as the UK, where there is a pole with a colour, and once you decide that okay, I'm doing the brown loop or the green loop, you just follow the green arrows. Um, and that just brings you back around. The only time people might get lost is where they, they could find themselves in a situation where they're either checking, having such a good time that they actually miss a sign because they're on a fire road. But at every junction, there's, there's two signs. You get a pre-warning saying there's a junction coming up. Um, so it's, it's very, very rare it happens. I'd say maybe only four or five times a year. But the beauty is that when the ringers and they get near a pole or we, we know with the hill quite well, we could nearly describe exactly where they are, and we can get them down off the hill quite fast, even without even going out for them, simply because it's it's easier for the person to find their way back because of network roads and cul de sacs. They don't all link up um, from a vehicle point of view. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, understandable. Um, so the popularity you think has been growing. Is there any young rappers down there that are really making a mark?
1: There, there would be. Um, you'd have um, you'd have Leah Mansell, who's with um, Corner Grassroots. Um, Last year, she would have, well, for the last two or three years, she would have been doing a lot of DWSs. Um, but last year then she was doing exams, so she wouldn't have been in as many races as she used to be. Um, but obviously, with that out of the way now, I'm sure next year you'll probably see her driving on to the next level. Um, the next racer then, as we mentioned earlier, obviously, is my own young fellow Sheen, who, again, is probably fortunate enough simply to with me, I suppose, giving you a little bit of guidance and a few contacts here and there. And... Um, You'd have uh, all the young lads, I should would have grown up, but definitely the lads would have been, they'd be extremely fast. Um, they'd, all they'd be missing, really, would be maybe a little bit of race experience abroad, but on the Irish scene, they're well able to hold their own, um, and more importantly, is their skill set um, would be exceptionally high in that sense, and really, it's, it's, they just need to tap into it, or somebody tap into that to give them the opportunities, it would probably give them, get them to the next level um, quite easily, really. So there's there's uh, yeah there's pretty there's pretty fast lads that are focused uh, I put it that way there wouldn't be too many that could stay with them. Well that's
0: brilliant and it's great that to have a trail network like like yours there uh, to help them along and encourage them to get out and and everything like that is very very good.
1: Yeah well it proves it just proves as we mentioned earlier that yes you can be based in a place where you've got all these big gnarly trails but you know if, if you get young for this that don't get don't learn their skills or don't do their apprenticeship in your trail centers and you go straight into the big stuff, normally what happens there is that they're they're really probably um, signing checks that their bodies can't cash in that sense. Um, So at the trail center, you know, from a very young age when all these young lads started off at 7, 8, 9, 10, they have this skill set that's so um, neurologically implanted that they're just doing it without even thinking. It's like breathing to them at this stage. And that's mainly Mm. down to a trail center starting off because that's all they had.
0: Yeah, no, I can see that. Yeah, they're building up their foundations before they go and do something crazy. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, exactly, yeah, because there's less chance of things going wrong than I want to do go wrong, at least they've spent so many minutes um, in a different, uh, at a different pace maybe so they can get out of jail a little bit faster, you know?
0: Yeah, that's very true. And, you know, it's funny because... I always remember when the skate thing, the skateboarding thing, was so popular and so many kids get into it. But a lot of kids dropped out of it very quickly as soon as they tried to drop into some kind of skate park with maybe only a few weeks, a few weeks of practice. You know, they soon decided, "Nah, that ain't for me." Kind of thing. So
1: yeah, and, you know, sometimes fright and shock can have a longer um, lasting effect on on people. You know, so that's why. I suppose I, I love the old words, progression and regression, um, because, you know, sometimes you have to go back to go forward and vice versa, you have to go forward to go back sometimes. Um, and, you know, we say to people here when we're running courses that don't underestimate your trail center because you look at the trail center and you look at corners, you look at body and That's where you practice it and that's where you practice it enough if you're patient enough or if you're thorough enough. If you keep practicing the techniques that you're shown at a trail center well then you'll do it instinctively when you get onto the rougher stuff or the more unstable um, type of terrain whether it be muck or roots or rocks or whatever and it there's no question that that's the only way it can be done
0: yeah no definitely it's good and it's it's great to keep the younger kids kind of still motivated and they can go out because there's no nasty surprises around the corner you know that kind of thing so
1: yeah, you, you know, you're always going to get, say, for instance, you get 10 young lads, you get two or three that'll just push the boat a little bit and they'll get faster. Um, but then, unfortunately, in some cases you get a gap and then what happens is those young lads don't mix with the the other lads. Then they don't, don't put the time into it or they might not be that ambitious. But the trail centre, then, as we said, is great because then you see them here and they all go out and there's no snobbery. Everyone's the same. You're just riding the bike. And all those, that same pocket of lads just come back together and just do a couple of miles and turn the trail centre into a, a kind of a, a pump and jump type of session, you know. But yeah. at least at the same time, it's all under control. Um,
0: yeah, very cool, very cool. And do you see many clubs using the trails, Chris?
1: You would. The, the local club that would be here would be Team Ballyhorra. They, they would be a very active club in the sense that um, they'd have a mix of uh, all different ages, really. You, you'd get your your late 50s all the way down to, again, your 14, 15, 16-year-olds. And they're probably very fortunate in the sense that they're all within 15 minutes of the trail centre. But then you'd have a couple of other clubs. Then you'd have LMBC, which would be the main mountain biking club in the city. And they would always be down on a regular basis, basis, midweek, weekends. You know, again, proving how if you've got different places to bike, people do move around. You'd have MBCC then, which would be a very active club in Cork. Um, and you'd have One Racing then that's in Cork also so you have you definitely have a lot of clubs and you'd have once you start heading east then you have um, South Tipperary Cycling Club and Clanmel Mountain Biking Club so and they're all within an hour um, of the trail mm-hmm. centre as well as them obviously having facilities in their own local woods whatever the case may be
0: yeah, so that's good and I'm sure them guys bring you a wee bit of trade and everything else, so it's good.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um and again it's the all every one of us started off the same. And I think that's the important bit with clubs is that once once we're all aware that we were all once that beginner, um and there's a kind of a a, a duty there to to nurture and that's where the clubs obviously are doing all the hard work. They're probably the unsung heroes really, because without the clubs the, the sport just doesn't go anywhere anyway.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very true. Very true. Now, I noticed on your website you run courses. Can you tell us a wee bit about that? Is it a trail craft course or
1: trail maintenance courses? It would be. um I suppose we started off going back um a good couple of years ago where we were doing different levels and it was based on the, the TCL kind of preparation, which is the trail cycle leader. But all it was was that we were taking the skill sets required. Um, that you just you need to be a trail cycling leader and we broke it down to complete beginners and then everyone's intermediate um, so that at least if anyone was doing those courses and if someone did go to do the TCL that they've already kind of had a pre-TCL sort of preparation or foundation work um, but then we got so busy in my own job then getting so busy that Kieran Selly then who would have been um, probably well, the most qualified person in Ireland really to run courses he's living locally as well so he took over the, the coaching aspect and he was doing the gearing up for cycling Ireland he was doing the, the train, trail cycle leaders for cycling Ireland um, and then the trail crap then was where um, he was involved in this European network now of um, qualifications that are coming on stream so he decided oh, let's change it a little bit now and make it more attractive and more applicable to people that maybe aren't doing TCLs but just want to improve their skill set on the trails so at the moment um, Kieran is taking a break from that for the summer, um, but we'd be putting dates of ourselves then. So I go back into coaching um, from that point of view, um, myself over the winter again from next summer onwards. Um, Kieran is literally just, he was very busy and again, putting himself and his own family first. He just wants to spend the the summer with his daughter um, and again, being very, very active. So we, we were very fortunate enough with um, Kieran, um, and again, we see Kieran probably once a week because he's in the woods um, mm-hmm. well, more often than ourselves, nearly. <laughs> <laughs> and was it something that was quite popular for you? It, it was. Um, it, well, it was getting more popular. At the start, it was very slow because, again, we had this thing of, you know, people saying, oh, look, I can ride my bike. I don't need to be, you know, getting lessons. But as we used to always point out, well, you know, you see Tiger Woods and Paulie Carrington, um, they're all practicing the, the greens and the, the chipping um, at driving ranges when they're not playing golf so you know you, there's always room for improvement so we probably have this thing though uh, that people were afraid of maybe finding faults or faults being exposed but that has come around a little bit now because of the fact that um, more people i suppose have spent more minutes on the bike and they realize oh how come not getting any faster and that was just down to the fact that they're throwing away time in corners and even just peddling when maybe they shouldn't have been peddling they should be maybe just pumping the trail um so it's, it's it is getting more popular um hence why i have to go back into it um over this autumn um, and start putting up a few dates um simply down to the fact that the demand is there whereas again five six years ago it was a slow sale put it that way
0: yeah yeah, and it's funny, I heard somebody saying not so long ago, um, one of the pros or some, somebody was asked if you had, a, I think it was in dollars, if you had $100 to spend on your bike, what would you spend to make you faster? And he said, I would spend it on a lesson.
1: Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I still go out. Um, I go out into the trail centre and I would sort of specifically target one area. It might be body position, it might be hips, it might be even your elbows, you know, trying to look around every um, corner so you're looking at the exit. And I might go out for a couple of spins and literally just do that, just to, again, implement um, that skill set so that, again, when I go into the natural stuff, that I'm probably more inclined to be doing it simply because it's just second nature at that stage. Because it's like a lot of things. You lose it if you don't use it, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and when you get into the specifics of it and how you corner and your body possession, your elbow possession, your hip possession, your pedal, all, it's massive when you actually look at it, you know, it's crazy what these pros are practicing and doing over and over and over and over again.
1: Well, yeah, I'm sure, you know, there's there's plenty of pros out there that would go out and yes, it might go for a spin and they might target one area. It's just that they're not saying it and people aren't aware of it. And the people are just thinking, I should have just gone out riding the bike. They're not. Everyone's going out with a goal um, for a spin and that stops you from getting bored as well. That's what we'd often find is that people would say to us that, oh, um, I haven't been up in six months. I was kind of getting bored with doing the same loops. But the reality is that if you go out onto the same loop, just use a different skill set, um, and you can turn every spin into something different, and then it turns into a game, and it all comes back down to personal growth and development. Once you have some bit of personal growth and development out of the day, normally it kind of takes that um, inner gain, as we call it, or rewards, that you feel that you've achieved something today. Um, and that's why even with the new, the, the trails out in the red and the blue loop, which were closed for a few years, they opened up there a few months ago, um, and we have a new loop out there that basically you've got three kilometres of a red trail that is where you can, you're you allowed to pedal three or four rotations when you start off and then if you've got three or four lads um, you can turn it into a game then because like, nobody can pedal anymore and it's a pump and jump session and then we find out who was dabbing the brakes and who wasn't or who wasn't getting their timing right um, and everyone is grinning when you come down to the bottom because some <laughs> people, it's very seldom you get it perfect but at least it just makes you walk that little bit harder. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a good section of trail out there that's just been reopened.
0: Cool. Very good. Very good. Now, just thinking of the future of Ballyhurra bike trails then, um, overall, has it been a success
1: for you, Chris, and a success for the area, do you think? It would be. Um, I would have to say um, absolutely. Absolutely again you know what's how do you measure success um you know some people think it's financial reward some people would turn around and say well it has brought success for me personally simply because it has allowed me to travel and meet so many fantastic people who say from sales to bike manufacturers to oh geez and um, where do you start where do you finish uh, mm. so that to me at the end of it, we, you know, we all, we'd, we'd all die with very with no money anyway because we can't bring it with us. So it's irrelevant what you make out of it financially. It's just a case of what it allows you to to experience in the process. So for me personally, it has been um, a massive life changer. Um, from the business in the area, I'm sure that they have to be benefiting it from cafes to petrol stations to accommodation. Um, it probably if we were being honest if the trail center was built in maybe dublin um or a bigger population it probably would be more successful for this because it would have cost the same value for buck to build it but it is what it is and i suppose we're lucky enough that it's down here so i can't really complain um and when you think of what it is also allowed for other individuals to open up and again as we mentioned earlier morally um for people to be able to go traveling with their own bikes and I know of a few people here in the trail centre that go away to different um, weeks away with different companies, and they go away on their own, they don't know anyone, um, because they can't get anyone to go with, but they have got the confidence to be able to ride a bike and turn over in the Alps, and just spend a week um, riding with a company. And you're thinking, you know, that that in itself is a, is a huge bonus, because now people are enjoying life, um, because when it's over, it's over.
0: Yeah, that's it. it brings a lot of different things just outside of the trail centre, really, so...
1: Yeah, um, you know, the madness where, like we said, everything is kind of measured on money and I suppose cars and stuff, I would measure things slightly differently. Um, It's a case of what did you experience this year and could you have squeezed any more in this year um, between travel and races and meeting new people. And every year, if you can say, no, I couldn't have done any more, from that point of view, that to me is a a, a sign of success. I'm sure there's other people out there that have the exact same answer. Um, and it's mainly down to biking, um, getting them to meet other people, and clubs arranging trips away to different companies or to different bike companies, you know, in abroad. That in itself is, is a huge, is a huge bonus for them.
0: Yeah, certainly, certainly. And Chris, just do you do you see many bikers visiting the area? Any international visitors? Anything like that? Do you ever run into any any guys like that?
1: No, um, I suppose that's the biggest shame. Really, is that even with the EWSs that were on there above in Wicklow a few years ago. There was very few of the teams or even the media that came down this far. I think it's just the fact that it seems so far away. And I suppose like a lot of things in fairness, they're probably the schedule as well. So they had to concentrate and be local to when the stars were coming into Wicklow and Dublin that they needed to be around and meet them for points. Whereas if they're down here, they were probably too far out of context with um, what was happening above in the venue. Um, What we do see, we, we don't get many superstars coming down here, like I said, unfortunately. Um, and that's obviously going to change you know, once they start listening to the podcast and they start <laughs> showing around. Um, but uh, what we do find, believe it or not, is we get a lot of um, high-profile other individuals in different sports that might be either going from Cork to maybe Le Hinch or Sligo surfing, and they say, oh, let's go mountain biking and while they're travelling. So while they're travelling, they're taking off an activity because by the time they get there, it's probably too late to go surfing possibly anyway. Um, or even people going down... Um, down to Kerry, for instance, if they're going down for a slideshow or a mountain festival, that they might fly into Dublin or whatever, and then they take off with a bit of mountain bike and heading down to the Kerry Mountains. So it's, it's a strange one in the sense that it isn't all mountain bikers, um, but you do get people that are well known in their own field um, popping off for an activity, and they're to their weight's their main cause of journey, you know.
0: Yeah, that's pretty cool. Do you ever get any hand parties or anything like that doing stuff?
1: Would you believe if We had one last weekend um, while I was away. I'm not too sure where that went. Um, I'll probably stick it later on and find out. Um, I didn't get any phone calls, so obviously that's always a good sign. Um, <laughs> but you would get um, plenty of stags. But what I'd be amazed at is, again, when you hear stag parties you know, and hen parties, you automatically assume, unfortunately, um, that, oh, mess and drink, um, you know, blagarding... Um, but we, we see a different type of stag and hen party. We see, we see a type of stag and hen, hen party that um, don't want the madness of um, they just yes, they go for a couple of drinks at night, but they want to do something that they can remember um, and something mm-hmm. different. So yes, they' go biking and, and there could be big gangs of them and then they'll go off and they'll have a few pints. Um, and like you said, in a world where we assume with stag parties turn messy, in, in this case they don't um, they're just people that turn it into a good sociable day bring out a bit of food and they'd stop uh, at a viewing point and just enjoy the day together
0: that's very cool that's very cool that
1: that happens you know on the trail centers <laughs> yeah now we, we've, we've had one or two we probably have had one or two now right where we were kind of going alright um, you know there might have been out the night before but that's been very very rare now in fairness if I've been honest there was probably only one that I can remember that stuck to my mind where we had to kind of um, make him aware of the risks involved, but um, thankfully that went off according to plan anyway. <laughs> yeah, you can see the
0: groom arriving to, on his wedding day the next day or something, with a um, bus nose or something. <laughs>
1: that's that's exactly what we had said to them. You know, we, we were trying to, at the same time, I, I, I would class as being very mature if somebody didn't maybe pull the person organized and just saying, look, the last thing you wanted is for somebody to be badly injured um, and they're having a wedding next week you know so maybe just you know pull it back a little bit and still enjoy the day and turn up and have the day because you don't want to ruin somebody's day um just because of a moment of madness you know you can do that afterwards <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah yeah cool so uh just before i let you go there chris is there anything planned for the near future in balayhurra any facility updates or trail updates or anything yeah
1: um with the local tourism group in the there's um talks and there's been but well, it's been ongoing for a good while are running putting in a kind of a classroom type effect same as the uk type of system um a cafe a purpose built cafe with a bike shop on site um where they've They've got sourced some of the money um, through funding and whatnot, um, simply because of the location. So I'm not too sure of the deadlines um, when that will be done, because as you know yourself, there's awful, with grants and stuff like that, there's a lot of paperwork. But I would be suspecting that they do have still trails that are marked from in Davis. David Davis marked them there about two years ago. So they're in the process of trying to get the funds for those, and those are going to be grade fives which are kind of the highest um, type of trail that can be marked from a quiche based, again, on the Forestry Commission standard. So they will be more gravity-fed. Not full-on downhill, as in how the world the itself mm. would sell itself, but gravity-fed in the sense that trail centre gravity-fed. Um, so they would be good in the sense that, again, I suppose everyone wants things done now, but the reality is that um, we've come a long way, and in another two or three years, we'll obviously have more built um, from that point of view. So um it's good it's it's um it's going in the right direction put it that way
0: yeah perfect very very good that sounds very interesting um so how can people best get in contact and keep up to date with what's happening there with you chris
1: um i suppose with the the trail center or the trail writers facebook page is probably the easiest way because again anything that's relevant to the trails especially with trade um, updates or trade closures which are very rare or with weather, we'd always have that up very very fast um, other information is bike related, not necessarily to the trail Centre because again, we try and make people aware of what else is out there. We'd often put up plenty of posts, whether it be for where to go abroad um, or in the UK or even up north or up to Dublin or whatever, anything that's relevant, we'd stick up on that. So the Facebook page is probably the most active, which is linked with the, with the website as well, which obviously is www.trailriders.ie. So even by going into that, you'll obviously see the updates that are directly linked to the homepage. Um, problem with trail centers and with web pages is sometimes there's so much information you can put on um and then it looks a bit crowded but then by leaving mm. it off you feel as if you're not making people aware of the full picture um and there's an instagram yeah. post as well but instagram is probably more for just pictures rather than any information
0: yeah no that's cool well between facebook and the web yeah. the website they'll get everything exactly. they need kind yeah. of thing yeah Cool. Well, listen, thanks so much for coming on, Chris. It was great to chat to you, and I really have to get myself down to you. Um, I'm actually living in Malta at the minute for the next couple of years. Oh. So, um, <laughs> so I, I won't be down there anytime soon, but as soon as I get back to good old Portrush, I must pop down. Oh, and...
1: Well, you know where I'll be anyway, so from that point of view um, i would be somewhere in the woods doing something. Um, <laughs> so there's no issue there. I, I'm always around.
0: That's cool. Well, thanks so much. And I, I hope... Um, I hope the winter season doesn't go too long for you and, and the weather's not too bad and you get loads of people down there out in the trails.
1: Yeah, um, and again, it's one of those things. The biggest issue with the trail centre and the bad weather is just the fact that getting there is the issue on the roads. Most people, um, it never gets busier if you can get access to the car park that people are just looking to get into the, the mountains with the snow. So it's, it's always good fun um, in the trail centre even when the snow is there. Um, it's just getting to the trail centre can be the biggest issue in some cases. So yeah, sure, yeah. as we said earlier, we, we'll take it as it comes and for sure, at the end of the year, it all walks itself out anyway.
0: Yeah, that's cool, cool. Great, great uh, way to look at it indeed. Well, Chris here, listen, thanks so much. You, you might have to go back to bed for a couple hours or something there because you, <laughs> you've had a tough
1: one. Uh, no, um, I'm, I'm up now, so it's a case of um, I'll either get running run in or do some, some bit of trail building or something like that. So it's always something to be done anyway. <laughs>
0: Chris, thanks so much, sir, and uh, I hope everything goes goes well for you in the near future. Thank you very much,
1: Gareth. Pleasure.
0: Cheers, bud. Bye-bye. Bye. Guys, that's a wrap for episode number 62. I hope you enjoyed that, and I hope it encourages you to maybe check out the ballet for a uh, network trail and um, just next time you're down around there if you're doing a wee tour of ireland or whatever check it out it sounds awesome and the trail network and all looks amazing go on to the website and have a look it looks absolutely fantastic now if you want to know a wee bit more about Chris and the Ballyhura Trail Network, just go on to mtv-tribe.com. There's links on Chris's episode there, episode number 062. You can search for it, you'll find it on there, and um, you can get a wee bit more info and read a wee bit more about our interview as well. Um, and as I say, there's quick links on there to Chris. So, Chris, I just wanted to say thanks, sir, for coming on the podcast. It was awesome to get you on the show and I know you had a a late night and everything else the previous day so thanks so much for your commitment for coming on the show I do appreciate it and I hope everything goes well for you over the next season and stuff there at Ballyhoras I'm sure it will because you've got a great set up at the sound of things so thanks again Chris I appreciate it now, folks, if you want to get more involved in the MTB Tribe podcast, simply go to the website mtb-tribe.com. You can get in contact via there. You can subscribe there. You can go to the resources page. You can also direct message me on uh, the old social networks, Instagram and Facebook at Tribe. If you want to do that? If you want to get in contact, let me know what you think about the show. Let me know if you want to hear from anybody on the show or any kind of info you would like covered on the show. Just drop me a line and I will get back to you. I do read all emails, I do read all direct messages, so um, I will get back to you. So, folks, thanks again for tuning in and letting me be in your earballs. I hope you have a good week. I hope you go out on the trails. Stay safe, stay strong, and keep the pedals pushing. I'll speak to you next week.